Nothing like making a grand entrance unintentionally. But um, praise God. I was, uh, I was in a funny situation this week. Actually, it started last weekend. So I'll just tell you about it. And um, it, it does lead into our service today. I asked Josh to say, I actually wanted the whole band to stay, but I didn't convey the message on time. And so you guys can sing from the pew. But last Saturday, um, my son noticed a, a, a bird had started to make a nest on my van. Well, I don't know what's the matter with that bird, but anyway, so he didn't know that that's what was happening, and he just saw this brush on the van and brushed it off. And uh, so I had gone out and done some things and came home, and that evening, as I went to fill up for gas, all that brush was back on the van. And I says, what in the world is going on? And anyways, I, I just left it as such. Sunday morning, I woke up to a nest on my back windshield. Now, if you all know, a van doesn't have a, any resting place for a nest to sit there. But um, I, I felt really, really bad as I saw the dove fly off because I thought, I don't want to touch his nest. So I drove here to Mississauga, and I kept watching the nest in the back windshield because I wanted it to stay put. <laughs> And uh, so anyways, praise God, I made it here, and the nest made it here as well. And, and um, well, God bless the person who felt bad for Pastor Melody's car and acted out as a good Samaritan and cleaned off the nest. <laughs> I went out after service, and I was, I was like, the nest is gone. What will the dove think? <laughs> Anyhow, went home. Every single day this week, that nest that dove kept building on my van. And um, Friday, I went to get some gas, knowing that yesterday I would not be uh, getting it. And anyways, went to get some gas, and once again, that dear dove. And I said to the Lord, I said, but Lord, why every day must this dove go on my, my van you know, there's another car next to it that is not moving, that has not moved in a few months, and why can't it build its nest on that car? Why does it have to build its nest on my vehicle? <clears throat> and even though, Lord, this nest has been taken apart, even though the storm that we had Friday night has caused this nest to fall apart <clears throat> and been removed, even though other people have voluntarily removed the nest, Lord, this Dove continues to find its nest, its place in, on my vehicle. And I was just musing of this in the, uh, before the Lord. I mean, maybe you think that's a little crazy to talk to the Lord about, but it was bothering me because it's his creation, and why couldn't this bird find a tree? I have plenty on my property. And all of a sudden, um, it just stirred up within my heart, and I believe it was the Lord speaking to me, where will my resting place be? Where will my resting place be? And though the circumstances of life may try to disrupt my resting place, I will nest where I will be allowed to nest. I will set my throne up where I will be allowed to set it up. And, and I just felt that that was what the message that the Lord wanted to me, me to receive. It wasn't about this dove. 
building a nest. I even went out. I, I'm going to tell you, this is how far I went. I went out and I prepared a place for that dove. I got a container from my garage and I tied it to the car next to mine. I took the items that were on my windshield and I put it on, it's the back windshield, P.S., and I put it inside that container so that, you know, you can feel free, dove, to go in that container. Your nesting things are in there and he would not have anything to do with anything that was made of man. He just wanted his own resting place to be. And so this morning as I went out, I saw that my attempts to make a resting place were not used, but my back windshield once again had another nest. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, you and me, we're going to go to church. <laughs> it's Pentecost Sunday. Why not? Let's, let's just do this the way you do it in your way and in your how. And if you make a resting place, he will come. If you make a resting place, he will come. Some years ago, I went to a youth convention with a group of young people. There is a reason why you're here. Just a minute. Um, and um, as we're going to this youth convention, you know, young people always get excited about youth conventions. And we had about 47 go that year. 43 or 47, I don't remember, and it doesn't matter. And so as we get there... The very first Friday night, one of the young girls turned to another young girl and she said, I am going to receive the Holy Spirit this weekend. And the girl next to her said, me too. And they wrote it down in their journal notes for the evening service. And they were so anticipating on getting and receiving the Holy Spirit. If you make a place for him, he will rest there. And so they set up a platform in their heart to receive the Holy Spirit. And I tell you that that weekend, that very night, they encountered the Holy Spirit as only the Holy Spirit can do in their life, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the fashion of speaking in tongues, and that weekend from the time we arrived until the night we were, uh, the afternoon that we drove home on Sunday, 18 of those 43 received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They came home so on fire for Jesus that they wanted all-night prayer meetings. And I've told this story before. It's nothing brand new to some of you. But they wanted all-night prayer meetings. They couldn't wait till Friday night services because they wanted to encounter what? Not a great sermon, not a great anything that we had to do. They wanted to encounter the taste of the Holy Spirit. Josh, is it true? Josh was there at the time when, when all this began to happen. And so so I just want to go back to that song, Spirit Breakout. If you will make a resting place, he will come. He will come. I want you this morning to just go into that private place with the Lord and say, Lord, I want to make a resting place for you in my life today. I want to experience a, a, a refilling. Some of you have already been filled with the with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have already encountered that power in your life, but you know what? You need a repowering. Sometimes we drive our cars, 
Sometimes our battery gets low and it takes a lot of juice to get that engine going and we go to the mechanic. He says, oh, you need a new battery. Some of you this morning need a new battery. Some of you need to be refilled with that taste of the Holy Spirit. Some of you don't even know what it is to taste of the Holy Spirit in that fashion. Some of you don't even know what it is to encounter when the Holy Spirit overtakes you and gives you a heavenly language you have never experienced it if you make a resting place for him he will come if you call upon him right now i just want us to sing shut it shut everything that i have said down and just let the holy spirit minister so that we can go into the word of god Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Spirit, break Break our walls down. Break every wall down, oh God. Every wall down. Spirit, break Heaven come down, Spirit break out, break our walls down, Spirit break sound of heaven touching earth. Oh, King Jesus, King Jesus, you're the name we're lifting high, your glory is shaking up the earth and skies,
Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place today. We just give you full permission to have your way, Lord. Some of us here don't fully comprehend you. Some of us are afraid of you. Some of us want nothing to do with you, but God, you are God. And you have proven time and time again in your word that you are about to do the impossible and that nothing is too difficult for you. And so this morning we look to you because God, you took a group of people that were unfit, a group of people that were unqualified, and Lord, you raised them with a new boldness to go forth and do great exploits for you. So Lord, open up the mind of our understanding this morning. May we grasp and see what you want to say to us. Open up our hearts, O oh God. I pray that every apathetic and lethargic spirit would be broken off of us in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of unbelief, we bind you and cast you out in the name of Jesus. Every spirit, every spectator, every spectating spirit in the name of Jesus, you will become a participator in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory. Let nothing be said that is not ordained of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Joshua. So Pentecost. Pentecost happens 50 days after the Lord's death. It takes 50 days after the Passover, I'm sorry. And it literally means 50, as we all know, for the, for the Jewish people, for the children of Israel. It was a time of celebrating their first fruits and going to Jerusalem and celebrating this harvest and uh, giving praise to God for the great abundance of harvest that he had brought in to them that year. And so it was very uh, poignant that God would have the celebration of the harvest, the celebration of his abundance be celebrated at the time in which his Holy Spirit would come upon his men. And so there they were to meet in Jerusalem. We know that for Christians, Christmas means the birth of Jesus. But do we know that Pentecost is the birth of the church? Some of us here say, yes, I know that. But not everybody realizes that Pentecost is the birth of the church. We know that Easter was a time in which Jesus died and was raised from the dead. But do we realize on Pentecost, it was when God came and empowered his people that his word would go forth just because Jesus was going to ascend to the father the word would not remain would not be null and void on the earth but it would go forth through his disciples to those in which would receive the Holy Spirit and so the message of Jesus would be delivered to a people who would take it to their home and to all places over the world 
So Pentecost celebrates a time when the Holy Spirit was poured out. We celebrate Christmas, we celebrate Easter, but we fail to celebrate a very vital part of our church history, Pentecost. We fail to recognize a very vital lifeline to our, our, our DNA, Pentecost. It's when the Holy Spirit came. And it's not just something that is owned by the Pentecostals, because in fact, guess what? They were 19 years in waiting. They, they, for instance, the pen, day of Pentecost came when the Lord, 50 days after the Passover, but Pentecostals did not become a denomination till 100 or so years ago. And so it's not like we, we take ownership of it, but we express, we know and we believe in the moving and power of the Holy Spirit. And so some people think, oh, Pentecost is something that only the Pentecost celebrate. No, Pentecost is the birthing of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pentecost is a time in which the disciples were equipped to carry forth the word of God, to go forth and continue doing what Jesus had started. So Jesus had died. And we have been talking on Wednesday nights about waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at different characters. We looked at Peter and Thomas. We looked at Mary Magdalene. We looked at the, uh, those that were on the road to Emmaus, the, the two individuals. We know one of them was a man. We can presume the other was a man, and we can also presume the other was a woman. We don't know, but there were two on this road to Emmaus, and it was significant for us to visit these encounters where Jesus appeared to these people because they needed to have their hope restored. They needed to be reconnected because something had happened. Their faith had been shaken. Their faith had been perhaps gone on to the side burner on the warmer part of the stove where, where just things are kept warm but they're no longer hot they're no longer bubbling over so Jesus had to appear to these to restore their faith to restore their hope I am not dead I am still alive where is the church today once upon a time we could pack this house out once upon a time, we could pack this house out. And what are we doing? Will we blame it on COVID? Is it true that COVID is to blame as to why some of us are not in church and some of us are in church? Or is it more or less that we've become warm? Is it more or less that perhaps our eyes have been taken off of Jesus? Is it for some of us that our faith has become cold? Is it for others that they have lost their hope? Where is the situation of the church? Where is the situation as to why pews would be empty rather than pews being full? You see, and so Jesus had to visit his disciples. He had to restore that hope within them, stir up this faith, reveal to them, I am not dead. I am very much alive. Just because you don't think that you have seen me move. You know, maybe we have had that perspective that, well, God's not doing very much anymore. 
It seems as though the enemy is having his way more and more. He's gaining more and more territory. Where is God? Why is he not answering our prayers? Why, why do all these things continue to happen? Why does the government take more and more control away from us? Why are we left in this predicament? And we find ourselves challenging God as though he is to blame. And yet his eyes have not been removed from the circumstances. And his hand is not too far from the issue. But he's looking for a bride. He's looking for a people whose eyes are fixed on him. He's looking for those who want his resting place. Those who desire his presence. His disciples, as he had made uh, appearances to them in restoring of their faith and hope, they were beginning to brim with some hope, brim with some excitement. And if you go to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. And what happened? The, the, the disciples begin to have this urgency within them. You can hear them asking, Lord, Lord, is now the time? Lord, is this the time? And how many of us are anticipating the return of the Lord? And we're saying, is this the year? that you will come is this the day that you will come is this the hour that you will come and so their hearts are burning within them and the Lord is saying no now's not the time go find yourself a room in Jerusalem I want you to wait 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 for what wait for what you want us to lose our momentum? Lord, you've just appeared to us. Lord, you have restored our hope. Lord, our faith is bubbling over. And now you want us to sit still and wait? You want to pour water on our fire? You heard me. Go and wait. That's how I picture the story to take place. If Jesus calls us to wait... If he is calling upon you to wait, then you could be sure that whatever you are being expected to wait for will be something worth waiting for. It will be something that will go exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever ask or imagine. And so Jesus tells his apostles, remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's not sending them out to evangelize based on, well, you've been with me for three years now. You, you've watched how I moved. You watched how I pray for people. You've watched how I delivered sermons. And so now you are fully equipped. You have three years of training. Jesus did not operate it in that way. He didn't make it based on their life experiences as fishermen. Well, you know how to catch fish. And so therefore you followed me and you watched me. Now you will know how to fish for men he didn't base it on 
the circumstances of their experience, nor on their religious background. While you're young Jewish men, you know the law. And so because you know the law, I can entrust you to teach others. Instead, he said, wait for the power. Wait for the anointing. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Wait. And so once they would have the the power, they would be ready to go, but they had to wait. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. The waiting was for the receiving of his Holy Spirit. What was the waiting for? It was for the outpouring to come upon them. They had to wait for the unseen. They had no idea what they were waiting for, just that it was called the Holy Spirit. They had no idea how it would come. They had no idea what it would look like. They had no idea in what respects or what type of vessel it would be. All they knew was that they were to go and they were to tarry. They were to go and they were to wait. And in the waiting, this divine power would show up they why couldn't they carry on in their own strength why can't we carry on in our own strength because God calls us to wait and in the waiting he is equipping because while we're waiting we are forced to look upon him but you see in our humanness we keep our eyes darting in our humanness we are looking for the strength in another power in another means in our humanness we'll go to somebody else because I've prayed about it but God didn't answer in the way that I wanted him to and so I go and I speak to you and I and I ask you and I run things by you and I just wonder what kind of counsel you're going to give me and I go to him and I go to her and instead of waiting upon the Lord we go running to help him out to give him the means by which he could speak to us and there they had to wait there it was necessary that in amongst themselves they were to wait for this promise of the Holy Spirit because God had a plan. It wasn't for just that selective group that would be in the upper room, but the plan spanned crossed the nations, crossed the generations. Isaiah 66, 19 says it like this. I will set a sign among them and from them I will send survivors. One translation says mission missionaries to the nations to the coastlands far away that have not heard my fame or seen my glory and they shall declare my glory among the nations why because even before jesus had come god had a plan that he would send those that would bring the message of the gospel those that would be the carriers of the gospel to the nations and so here were his disciples Asked to wait. Asked to wait. Not knowing what to expect, but obediently waiting, prayerfully trusting. I could see them in the room. So Mary, what did it feel like when you went to the garden? I'm sure they reminisced. 
If you heard me talk about this, I, I go back to it all the time because I imagined in my mind many a times what was it like for them to sit and wait. And myself, I would be prone to talking about experiences that I had had with the Lord. I would be encouraging myself. You know, when you lose a friend, you think of all the good times. And when you get together with other friends that enjoyed that individual as well, all of you together will reminisce about the good times. And I believe in that time of waiting, they talked of all the great things that Jesus had done. I believe in that time of waiting, they said, do you remember when that lady was healed with the issue of blood? Jesus neither laid hands on her nor touched her and yet all she did was reached out and there was a power exchange do you remember when that took place oh yes not only that I remember the time that that not that lady received her healing but while she was being healed the little girl was being healed in her bedside oh that's right even before Jesus arrived his power went before him and I could imagine them talking in amongst themselves obediently waiting, prayerfully trusting, and a wind begins to stir. A wind begins to stir in that room. Acts 2, 1 to 6 says this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now these were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation and under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. While they were huddled in Jerusalem behind closed doors, Behind shuttered windows, a great power exchange took place. Their faith their ex and their, their obedience withdrew from the kingdom bank of heaven. Withdrew from the bank of heaven a source and an anointing that only God could give. A source and an anointing that only can flow from heaven down. And they waited upon that and that power came as a divine act of God. When we were experienced that move of God in, in the youth, they, I, as I mentioned, they said they wanted all-night prayer meetings, and so we would have these all-night prayer meetings. And on one specific night, we, we gathered, and, and at um, 11 o'clock, we went outside, and we began to march and pray around the parameter of the church. And we walked around the grounds of the church, and we were going to do our Jericho march. And we were going to believe that something great was going to take place that evening. And so there we were, and I'm sure any of the neighboring um, people in the apartments around the church at that time were wondering what these crazy young people were doing as they keep going around and around the church building. And on the seventh time, I had blown the shofar. 
And so the kids, as they were walking, they were encouraged. You either walk and pray or walk and speak in tongues, but you are not here to have conversations with one another. You're here to have a conversation with the Lord. And they were consistent in that time. In amongst those young people, there were two young men, 10 years old and 11 years old, there only because mom was leading And so they were allowed to come and the other friend there to accompany. And so they're walking and they're following the suit of the teenagers in front of them. And so after the shafar was blown, we go inside and we continue worshiping God. And these young people continue praying in the spirit and they're at the altar and they're praying for one another. And if any of them was not yet filled, that's who they were focusing on that evening. Well, these two young men came and they sat together and they continued to pray and, and, and look to each other. And every now and then they would disappear. And I thought, well, I can't leave the young people to go see what they're up to. And so I just left it as that. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting and I'm praying in one of the chairs and I, and I had a tug on my shirt. Mom, come with me. Come with me. I says, well, what is it? No, you have to come with me. So my son pulls me out of the sanctuary through the, through the back room and, and brought me outside, and his friend was with him. And I says, what are you guys doing? What do you want to show me? Mom, just come and see. And so they brought me out, and, and, and they, they pointed to the top of the church. Do you see it? I said, um, I don't see anything. You don't see it? I says, no, what am I looking for? What am I seeing? What am I supposed to see? And they said, don't you see the flame dancing? I says, no, I don't see the flame dancing. Come on, it's right there and it's right next to, and they began to describe the details of the flame dancing on the church. And I said to them, I don't see it, but that's okay. But do you believe us? Do you see it? How come you don't see it? And I says, it's okay. Don't worry about it. They came into the church with me. They continued praying. And and, uh, then it comes 8 o'clock. And now we all go home. And as I'm driving home, my son turns to me and he says, Mom, do you really believe what I saw? I says, I believe what you saw. He says, but you didn't see it. I says, no, I didn't see it then why do you believe? I says, because the Lord opened your eyes to see what was taking place inside. My eyes weren't open to see it, but I believe what you saw because the two of you saw the same thing and I know what we were praying for. I says, never let anybody shut down your faith just because they don't see it the way that you see it. Know that you've seen, know that you believe, and that's all there has to be. You saw the flame, Jonathan saw the flame, it stirred you guys to believe what God was doing inside the church, and don't let anybody remove that faith from your heart. Those two young boys had not yet encountered the Holy Spirit, but they were believing and they were praying. It wasn't until two weeks afterwards that they experienced the Holy Spirit together. 
Isn't it funny how the Lord orchestrated that? The two that saw his fire would receive his fire simultaneously together. When they encountered the Holy Spirit, one of the elders of the church, he was 87 years old at the time. He came to speak to the youth on the Holy Spirit. And when he was done, these two young boys went to the altar. Again, he only came because mom was leading. Otherwise, he wasn't old enough for youth. And they went to the altar. And so this senior man went and laid hands on them and prayed over them. And nothing was taking place. Lingered with these two boys and nothing was taking place. And so he came to me afterwards and he said, well, you know, I told your son and, and, and his friend just to keep praising God. Maybe when they're home, they'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit in their bed. And, but the Lord's going to come because they're hungry, they're, they're thirsty. And I says, oh, okay. No sooner he walked away, another person came to me and says, come, you've got to see this. Come, come, right? I says, okay, just, just one sec, I'll be there. No, come, you've got to see this right now. And I came, and the two young men were holding hands like this. And they were facing each other, and they were singing in the spirit. And as one sang, the other responded in song. And as the other responded in song, the other began to sing. And here were the two young men just worshiping in the spirit. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know what had to happen? The man of God that was praying for him needed to leave so that the spirit of God can go and do his work. It's not always about us laying hands and then that, that taking place. Sometimes we need to pray and move on and let the Lord do his work. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. And so God blessed these young boys. They began to speak in tongues in the form of a song. And they were singing to each other. One would sing a verse and the other would sing back in the spirit. How beautiful when the Lord responds. Why? Because they saw him his fire and he gave them their own fire oh we just sit here oh it's oh it feels like a good Sunday morning we get all excited about the music and the worship but we don't pour into it we don't open ourselves and say Holy Spirit I empty myself of everything everything every hatred unforgiveness every deceiving way every form of flesh I empty myself completely that Holy Spirit you may come in and flood me no, 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 we come and we wait for our favorite song to be sung. I like that song, Pastor Joshua. I didn't like the other song. Never mind what you liked or didn't like. Did the, the, did the Lord like your worship? Did your worship go up as sweet incense through his throne? Were you co totally yielded to the moving of his spirit in your heart and in your life? Or were you more caught up in the song that you were singing, in the sound of your voice? They were gathered and they were waiting and a great power exchange took place. Have you ever considered Adam? There he was, formed of God. There he was, a human form. God took the earth and made man. 
But it wasn't until God breathed into Adam, according to Genesis 2, verse 7. It wasn't until God breathed into Adam that he became a living soul. Why? Uh, here it is. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth, of, from the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. It wasn't until the breath of God breathed into him that he became something living. He was man. He was formed from the earth. He was created by God, but he was nothing. He was void without the breath of God. You are man. You are woman. You have been created, but you are nothing. Nothing without the breath of God breathing upon you. You are nothing without the breath of God infilling you with his life. Everything else that you will do will be done in your own efforts, in your own strengths, in your own way. It will be done out of your own planning. But oh, when the breath of God comes and breathes into you, you become a living creature for him used of him ordained of him it took the breath of god to bring life-giving power into adam's body to make him a living being but what about ezekiel in the valley of dry bones did not pastor speak on that some time ago and there he was son of man can these bones live you know, sometimes when you look about people, when you're speaking to people and they, and they're, and they just seem like they're not making any connection. Have you ever had a conversation like that with somebody? You're talking and they're just not making connection. I can imagine how Ezekiel felt as he looked at this valley of dry bones and he's saying, Oh Lord, only you know. Like they are not even making connection. They are a valley of dry bones. Nothing is happening here. And so what did God say? He said to Ezekiel to speak to the bones. That's a strange thing to tell somebody to speak to the bones. Speak to the bones. Okay, bones, do what you got to do come together those bones came together they formed a body but the body was powerless they stood there looking like a body they stood there looking like something of human form but they were powerless and often that is you and I we come to church we look spiritual because we've raised our hands. We look like we're Christians because we sung our songs. Oh, maybe we even sounded like it because we prayed our prayers. But we're powerless. We're powerless. Because we need the Spirit of God to come and move and breathe on us. And Ezekiel 37, 9 to 10 said this, Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, 
Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on, breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesy as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Prophesy to the breath. And so I prophesied to the breath. I prophesied to the breath. Could you, can you see Ezekiel speaking and prophesying to the breath? And what happened when he's prophesied? They came and stood a great army. Why? Because there was not, it wasn't Ezekiel who did what Ezekiel thought right to do. It was God telling him what to do. And in that obedience, once again, like the, like the disciples in the upper room, in their obedience, they waited. Ezekiel, in his obedience, he spoke. He spoke the word of God. The word of God went forth as bread and it took root within the vessels and they were able to stand like living bodies like a vast army ready for action ready for war ready to do what God had called them to do the same thing is true for us no matter what our spiritual gifts might be no matter what calling God has placed us in Without the Holy Spirit, we are just a vessel standing there, empty, just a form, empty, until we allow the Holy Spirit to blow over us and equip us for God's service. We can't preach correct unless the Holy Spirit is moving within us, unless we are fully dependent and relying upon his word. We can't sing, we can't serve there's nothing that we can do for the Lord without the total reliance upon his Holy Spirit. And so these disciples had a power exchange. What took place? What happened? A sound, something that sounded like a mighty rushing wind. A sound filled the room. What happened? when this power laid hold of their tongues and they began to speak in other languages, a power exchange, their powerlessness to Holy Spirit power. Their Lord, I cannot to God's yes, you can. What happened to Moses? Lord, what will I say when I go before Pharaoh? Who will I say sent me? He felt powerless. God said, you tell him I am that I am has sent you. When we feel powerless, we can go to God and he infuses his power into us. It's never about you or I and what great things we can do. It is always and only about God and what great things he can do. He told his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Matthew 28, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always 
to the end of the age. These disciples were never again the same. When they received that exchange of power, their sinfulness, now that they're, they're denying of him, their, their doubts and their fears were now all exchanged for the great power working God. We could never carry out the commission. They could never carry out that commission if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit's moving in their life. What does the power of the Holy Spirit give us? It doesn't give us power to get to heaven and be all that we want to be. It gives us an active role in allowing the power to develop us the power of the Holy Spirit to develop us into that vessel that the Lord would have us to be. The Holy Spirit will only empower us to do great exploits for God as we allow him to have full leadership, full leadership and control of our lives. We'll only be empowered by the Holy Ghost and in direct proportion to our willingness to surrender. You see, sometimes we don't see what others experience because we're not willing to surrender every part of us have you ever met the christian i shall i shall not be moved i shall i shall not be moved have you ever met that one that goes to church i shall not be moved i shall i shall i shall not be moved instead of singing the song how it should really go Have you ever met that sort of Christian? We need to fully surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. These men were fully surrendered because they said, all I know is that he told us to wait. How long do we have to wait? He didn't say how long we had to wait. Yeah, but I'm getting a little bit impatient and I could see Peter pacing the room. But he said, he said that we were going to get the Holy Spirit, John. Yes, Peter, he just, he did, he did. You're, you're not wrong. But when is he going to come, John? When is he going to come? Peter, he didn't say when he was going to come. He just told us to wait. Yes, but John, you know, it's a few days now we're here. Peter, just settle down and let's wait. Let's sing some praises. Let's sing some songs. A great thing took place. That sound of that mighty rushing wind blew into the room and something happened. There appeared as cloven tongues. I brought a picture some years ago of um, a night that we had had a service and we were able to capture how the Lord had moved upon the young people and it had appeared as flames on top of the young kids' heads. Uh, I didn't think to bring that. But that day when they were praying in the upper room and the sound of the mighty rushing wind, the sound of the Holy Spirit was coming into the room. Are you sensitive to the sound of God when he is in a place? Adam in his sin place, Adam in his fallen place still heard the sound of the father when he was coming in the garden. And when he heard the sound of the father when he was coming in the garden, what happened? He hid. He withdrew himself. And the Lord said, Adam, where are you? 
Where are you? And he said, Lord, when I heard the sound of you coming, I hid. Why did he hide? Because he was embarrassed of his sinfulness. Get out of hiding, brothers and sisters, because you can't hide from the Lord. He knows where you are. It doesn't matter what you have done. The Lord is here to redeem you, to save you, to forgive you of that. Why? Because there's a sound of God that your spirit needs to be in tuned with. What happened in Kings? Elijah heard the sound of the, of rushing, of the rain, sound of the abundance of rain. If you are in tune to the spirit of God, you're going to hear the sound of the spirit of God. Not everybody around you is going to hear the same sound, but you're going to hear a sound of the spirit of God that's going to confirm in your spirit. God is moving. God is breathing. God, I need to just right now tap into the Holy Spirit and you will just close yourself in. And as you close yourself in, what happens? You create an atmosphere around you. And while you are creating that atmosphere around you and you are closing yourself in from the affairs of the home, from the affairs of the workplace, from the affairs of society, and you close yourself in with God and you shut yourself in, then the sound starts to evaporate from you and others around you get to taste and feel and they don't know what they are sensing but they sense something and the shift in the atmosphere is felt by others around why because you were obedient to what you heard and what did you hear you heard the sound of the Lord you heard the sound of the Lord. And as that sound permeated that room, that day when those disciples were there, I know for a fact they tapped into the sound because as they were all in one accord, as they were all together, one heart, one spirit, unified together, the spirit of God showed up. Why? Because they created the space. They entuned themselves to the sound. And they experienced the mighty move of God. And when that mighty move of God began to flow, those that were there to offer their first fruits, those that were there to give offering to God for what he had done, all of a sudden began to hear praises in their own native language. All of a sudden began to hear the name of God in their own native language. And it was drawing them. Why? Because there was a sound that was familiar to them. But this sound that was familiar to them was their own language. And they were drawn to that sound. And they went towards it. And in their bewilderment, they asked, what is this that is going on? That these men, these uneducated people are speaking in our own language. And Peter preaches to them his very first sermon. This, pre this Peter who only 53 days ago was denying that he even knew Jesus. This, this Peter who only 53 days ago was there in the promenade, no doubt, while they were yelling, crucify him. And he was hearing it. Within the sound of his ear, he could hear them shouting, crucify him, knowing in his heart that he had denied the Christ. But these people are being drawn. They're hearing the sound, the sound of their native language speaking something that makes no sense. And some of them made mock. Yeah. 
Just ignore it. They're drunk. They're a bunch of crazy fools. They've been drinking. Sometimes we dismiss things that we don't understand as not being real, as being nothing. Dismiss it away. And that is the very thing that God is moving in. And Peter says this, his very first sermon, Peter standing with the 11, verses 14 and onward. Sorry, media team, I didn't give you this. With the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what is uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above. And signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Logos, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell within hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you make me full of gladness in your presence. Peter, the one who denied the Lord, gets up and gives this great exposition. The one who was timid, the one who who hid that he really knew the Christ, the one who hid that he was one of his followers, stood up and gave this this great exposition. How does he go from a timid man, fearful to speak, and, and, and acknowledge who he truly was to being this bold, courageous man. It was none other than the fullness of the Spirit coming upon him. How did he go from being frightened, frightened to fearless? How did he go from being a coward to courageous? How did he go from de- denying Jesus to now defending him with the Word of God? It wasn't because Peter changed his mind while he was in that upper room. It wasn't because he says, oh, I think they were right after all. Now that I've considered all things, I know that Jesus is for real. No, it was because the Holy Spirit came upon him and and the Holy Spirit outpouring and power changed who he was. 
And as a result of that great change, it was rumored in the region. Acts 17 verse 6 says, these guys have turned this place upside down and now they're coming and planning to turn this place upside down where we are. How did they turn it upside down? It wasn't in their own power and strength. It was in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. Because wherever he is, he will transform Wherever he is, he will transform. And maybe that's why some of us have a hard time surrendering because we don't want to go through the transformation because we don't know how we would look. We don't know how we would be. What's the new me going to look like? Will he embarrass me? What about that one secret thing that I keep hidden? What will he say of me if, if, he, if he unveils it? Well, let me tell you this. He's known about it ever since you fell into it. And he's known about it as long as you have hidden it. And so it's not unseen to him. So don't be worried about when it's going to be exposed or brought to the surface. He will transform you. He will change you. And he will make you into a new vessel. Jeremiah or they, they, they went about and they changed everything. Everything was transformed because they were transformed. They went about and they did great exploits. Why? Because the Spirit of God was within them. Jeremiah said this, There is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary from holding it in. I cannot. They were in the same place as Jeremiah. Don't expect us to keep it shut up within us. We got to let you know. You know what makes me worried? Those Christians that are quiet. Those Christians that, well, don't, don't disturb things. Well, now may not be at the right time. I'm sorry, but if he's really inside of you, if he's really that burning flame inside of you, you can't shut him up. You can't keep it contained. You can't just sit there oh so pious, oh so reserved, because the Spirit of God will shake you up. He will blow through you until all of that chaff, all of that residue, is gone and removed all the passive ones keep me concerned all those silent ones have me a little bit worried why are you so silent we've said it oftentimes enough if your favorite team won the super bowl or the or the uh whatever all the basketball or the or the baseball or the hockey if they won you'd be cheering you wouldn't care if your neighbors heard you yelling when, the, when they won the Stanley Cup final goal and they were the winning team and you erupted in yelling screams. You wouldn't care. When Italy won a f several years ago um, the, the soccer and we didn't care that we hung our Italian flag. We didn't care what our neighbors thought. Why? Because we were proud Italy won. We're, you're not afraid to hang your flag when your team wins. You're not a, afraid to wave a banner. But oh, you come to church and you're reserved and quiet. What's the matter with you? You've got it reversed. 
You need to change the tide and let the Spirit of God quicken you. You got to let that fire that is shut up within your bones, let it out. Let it out and, sh- and share the Word of God. Acts 4 says now that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You want to know why your, parent, your, your, your neighbors aren't saved yet? You want to know why there's an empty spot in the pew next to you? Because those closest to you haven't seen that you've been with Jesus. They haven't seen the transformation because you're reserved and quiet. But seeing the man who was healed, verse 14, standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? Well, first of all, that's the whole problem because they conferred with one another. And they said this, for a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let's warn them not to speak anymore. Let's warn them not to speak anymore. A young woman was at the altar one time praying and God was moving heavily upon her heavily upon her and I actually watched the transformation as this young woman came to the altar she came shy she came timid and she was just there praying and 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 the spirit of God began to move and as the spirit of God began to move upon her heart she began to cry and as she was crying she was crying out Jesus Jesus, and she was praising God. And this went on for several minutes. And a couple of us were praying with her. And the father came up because he sat as a spectator in the pew. And the father came up and he said, that's enough now. Too much emotionalism going on here. Leave her alone. And so respectfully, we we left her as was. Immediately, her tears came to a stop. Immediately she shut down. You know that that young girl then went into going online, went into doing things online, went into a a place of rebellion. Don't shut down the Spirit of God. Don't shut down the Spirit of God. What seems emotionalism to you may very well be the Spirit of God moving. That young girl got herself into trouble in different areas in drugs out of wedlock pregnancy and my heart often wondered if we were not shut down and she was not removed from the altar would the same lifestyle have been walked out my heart often wondered that They wanted to shut Peter and John down, but Peter and John answered this, much like Jeremiah, Acts 4, 19 and 20, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, but Peter and John answered them, 
Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I was speaking with a lady last night and um, we've been praying for her in the church and I'm not going to give any more details but just this surface thing. And this area that the, the, this, this um, need that this family has had that we've been praying for, every test has been coming back negative. And so she's declared it is a miracle of God. It is a miracle of God over my family member. This is what she kept saying to the doctor, and the doctors would not accept it. What do they do? They approach it medically and, they, and scientifically, and they keep doing tests because they have to find a reason why. But the parent knows in their heart and cannot keep silent. It is a miracle of God. It is a miracle of God. It is a miracle of God. We know that God hears and answers prayer. We know that God is, is moving upon our child's life. We know that God is doing his work. It is a miracle of God. They cannot keep it in. Peter went on to do continued things. The Spirit of God was moving so heavily upon Peter that even in, in Acts chapter 5, we see that he was moving about and even his shadow emitted a power. That's why I said to you before, and some people think, oh, that, I'm not sure if I agree with that, you know, but that's why I said to you before, when you shut yourself in and you create an atmosphere of worship around and about you in the sanctuary, not caring about who is worshiping, who's not worshiping, you set it up. What? Because the outflow of that Holy Spirit that is in you, that the outflow of what God is doing within your life and you as you are shut in with him permeates on those that are around you and as Peter was walking about those that were sick were healed just by the shadow it wasn't Peter it was a shadow of the living God it was a shadow of the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit going forth when you're in the service shut yourself in with God worship Worship like you're the only one in the sanctuary singing to Jesus. Worship like you're the only one that if you didn't worship, Jesus wouldn't show up. Worship as though nobody else matters but you and Jesus. Worship as though it was your last opportunity to give him praise and that you would never have another opportunity again. Worship, worship, worship. Create the atmosphere that the shadow of the Lord may filter through the pews, through the people that are around you. Let the Holy Spirit flow. That's what he desires to do. Peter had this empowerment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Praise your holy name, Jesus. Praise your holy name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Holy to Holy, holy are you, O God. Holy are you, O God. Hallelujah. 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 